Welcome to another bonus episode of the Food for Thought podcast. I'm your host, Erin Hallstrom. Is your pest control program as effective as you'd like it to be? In this episode, we talk with Sharon Dobesh, Director of Technical Services, and Pamela Peckman, Staff Entomologist, both of Industrial Fumigant Company. We talk to them about pest prevention strategies you can enact at your facility as well as what the future holds in pest management. We talk about the best way to design an integrated pest management program that focuses on prevention, how sanitation works into pest control and an IPM program, as well as how and why data plays such an important role in developing an IPM program. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Food for Thought podcast. Let's dig right in. Can you tell me, what's the best way to design an integrated pest management program that focuses on prevention? Well, I'm glad you said the word prevention because uh, prevention is key when it comes to pest management. And within IFC, we like to focus on an IPM pyramid principle and design our IPM programs around that. So if you, if you can visualize a pyramid and you start at the base of that pyramid, uh, that would look like a, a bar that focuses in on biology and of the pest that you're trying to manage. Um, and that um, particular pest is going to have a unique biology that um, ha- will have features that we can exploit And that's kind of why we start with that at the base. So just think of knowledge at the base of the pyramid. Um, For example, knowing that many stored product insects complete their life cycle in about four weeks means that key sanitation procedures for cleanouts need to be scheduled accordingly so that you're getting that uh, food source emptied. If there's any eggs present or uh, larvae or pupae, you can eliminate those and um, kind of break that life cycle as as we say. Um, another example would be exploiting the habitat of rodents as they move in their surroundings. And you know, knowing that mice use their whiskers as feelers and that they tend to move along the sides of walls helps with st- strategic placement of multiple catch traps um, and also bait stations so that we can intercept them in key places where they would be found searching for food, water, or shelter. So knowing the identification of the organism is really important. It helps you determine if it's a serious food safety risk or maybe you're dealing with a target pest that's just a, an occasional invader and you don't really need to focus a lot of effort on uh, the program surrounding that particular pest because it just accidentally wandered into the facility. So um, as you move up that pyramid, you know, the next step, uh, there's lots of additional key preventive measures that we examine to help build a successful program. And um, we move on to the non-chemical treatments. And that would be items such as sanitation, exclusion, trapping, uh, temperature modifications, all those things that you can think of that are non-chemical. And this portion of the pyramid accounts for a large part of designing a good IPM program. So it's helpful to realize that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration sets in place rules that food handling facilities must follow. Um, These rules set minimum sanitary and processing requirements for producing safe and wholesome food and they're known as uh, current good manufacturing practices. 
Um, often you'll simply see it listed as acronym GMPs. So these rules are broadly written on purpose. They don't tell a facility exactly how to implement an in-house program. Um, that is something that facility management works on daily as systems change. So that fluctuates, and it's something that they're always uh, modifying. And uh, pest management companies can help facilitate and uh, fine-tune those programs um, so that the target pest is considered and prevented from the get-go. In some cases, a simple change to a particular sanitation schedule or exclusion effort would help eliminate a pest feeding and harborage site. So uh, that's why that non-chemical portion is a really a big focus on IPM programs. So next, as you continue up that pyramid, you know, it's starting to get smaller and smaller. You're spending less time doing some of these things, but um, it's followed by monitoring programs, uh, maintenance programs at the facility, maintenance uh, uh, personnel will be involved with. And finally, that last component, when we think of pest management, we always think of chemicals, but that's really one of the last tools that we tend to look at in when we're setting up our pest management programs. Although it's an important part, you know, we're not going to uh, use chemical treatments as much as we're going to focus in on other aspects of that program. So this systematic approach to managing pests in a food handling facility, uh, like I said, emphasizes non-chemical practices first, chemical tools only if necessary, and when you're managing a pest problem, you're more likely to need to implement several of those strategies at the same time, such as sanitation in conjunction with inspections and monitoring of rodent traps and pheromone traps before you might decide to proceed higher up in the pyramid with the selection of a, of a pesticide tool, like maybe you're going to fog the warehouse to manage uh, an Indian meal moth breakout. Are there any exclusion measures IFC has seen success with for clients? Um, yeah, you know, when you talk about exclusion measures, each facility has its own challenges, and it really starts with exclusion design, that it, it takes into account the basic design of the facility. So it starts with the construction and the construction techniques and the construction uh, materials. Um, you know, how is this building uh, built and um, you know, is it one of the newer construction where maybe they have, say, continuous enamel field floors versus older facilities? We've seen some that are still, you know, 70, 80 years old and they still have wood floors uh, or wall floor junctions that create a crack and crevice that needs to have exclusionary measures taken. So it really goes back to the basic design of the individual facility as well as the environment that that facility is located in because there are going to be different environmental pressures on each facility based on where it's located. Um, you know, is it near a river stream? Is it near growing fields? Uh, you know, near feedlots or whatever is in its immediate environment is going to have a direct impact on that facility and those exclusionary needs can change. Um, and so, you know, we really recommend that each facility do their own inspection and document those different types of exclusionary needs, looking for deficiencies. Um, deficiencies can be anything from when you're going around looking at a building from the inside, you see a crack where light daylight is coming through, or a door that doesn't quite seal and daylight's coming through, either a steel or around an edge. Uh, sometimes it's screens over windows or louvers or even door screens 
that have holes in them due to damage from equipment or it being not closed properly. Um, and it just, you know, continues that each site has its own challenges. Um, some exclusion measures are for interior type design. So these can be things like dock plate seals that need to be looked at on a regular basis, door seals, and these can be man doors, roll-up doors, um, windows, um, mover screening, covering different vents, um, and making sure that, you know, when you're using screen mesh to cover windows and vents, that you're using an appropriate size to keep out pests. So usually for most stored product pest insects, we recommend a screen size between a mesh number 20 and 30. That will keep out most stored product insects, or at least make it so that they have to land before they can crawl into a facility. Um, but sometimes if you're going down to that small of mesh, you may even need to check with your engineering folks and make sure that you're not going to be restricting airways going into certain pieces of equipment or fans and causing equipment damage. So, you know, if that's another one of those individualized challenges for a facility is because each facility has its own equipment, different pieces of equipment that have different needs for air intake or um, temperature requirements for running properly. Um, exclusionary measures on the exterior of a facility, again, can include things like those screen covers for vents and louvers. Um, if you're on rooftops, uh, you know, using appropriate bird netting to keep out birds, uh, rodent exclusion materials to make sure that they cannot enter uh, different areas, uh, maybe even covering your gutters in a certain way so that they don't fill up with debris and then cause a lot of decaying organic matter to be an attractant for certain insect pests like flies. Um, and then landscaping is another thing to think about when it comes to exclusion. Um, we always recommend having things like trees and shrubs and any plants trimmed back at least uh, 18 to 24 inches from the building at a minimum or more. Uh, you want rodent barriers, a rock barrier around your facility that has about an 18 to 24 inch band of pea gravel. And pea gravel is usually defined as a size of rock between about a quarter and a half inch. Um, that way, if rodents do burrow in out from the outside and they get into that area around your facility, um, if they tunnel through it, they can't use large rocks to prop and you know make a nice protected door entry for their burrows. What it does is that if they burrow in, the rock will fall into their holes and they'll go, yeah, this isn't a nice place to be. I have to do a lot more work to keep my tunnels open and my burrow ready to be utilized. Um, so, and then, you know, you also have to look at every opening going into and out of a facility. So this can be pipes, this can be conduit. Um, you know, if it's going through a wall, it probably needs to be sealed. Uh, sealing around drains and other types of uh, you know, pipes and things that will be coming into and out of the building so that you don't get uh, areas where, say, uh, organic matters building up around the outside drains where cockroaches and other things may be um, attracted to those. So, you know, if it's going to be an exclusionary measure that's going to be in an area that's going to be washed down or wet a lot, 
um, you want something that's going to be able to withstand or be moisture resistant. You want something that's going to seal properly and stay sealed. Um, you know, some can be a temporary quick fix for exclusionary techniques, such as spray foam. But a lot of times we recommend spray foam being a temporary uh, type fix because insects and rodents can burrow through spray foam and then it can also become a harborage for them if they have those tunnels and when you go to try and treat they have a nice hiding place. So, um, you know, some uh, exclusionary measures we can go to the hardware store and get uh, certain types of silicone seals or like I said spray foam or other things but you want to make sure that, you know, the most important thing to make sure is that you're using the right materials for the right exclusionary uh, situation um, and not uh, trying to, you know, kind of putting this, you know, round uh, hole in the square peg type thing or the square peg in the round hole. Um, you know, you want to make sure it fits and fits properly and will do its job. Talk to me about how sanitation works into pest control and an IPM program. Well, good sanitation programs are definitely key to preventing pests, but good sanitation requires time and manpower, which adds cost to the bottom line. Managing sanitation costs is tricky, but cutting corners will eventually lead to pest management concerns. So it's a, it's a fine balancing act with those two items, cost and sanitation. Uh, some of the top sanitation treatments are keeping food spills picked up so pests don't have a food source. That sounds simple, but in reality this is very difficult, especially if equipment placement and access prevent routine sanitation from occurring in a food plant. Another top sanitation solution inside a food plant is simply keeping perimeter walls clear with an 18 to 24 inch inspection space. Uh, so. Often when you're walking around inside a food plant, you'll see racking or pallets placed right up against the wall, and that makes it very difficult to carry out inspections just to simply see if the pest is present, and it's uh, difficult to perform you know, routine cleaning efforts um, and also trapping and monitoring programs when you don't have that space clear. So we need to remember also the perimeter walls tend to be a rodent highway if you end up with rodent problems in your facility. You know, remember what I said earlier, they like to use their whiskers to fill uh, the surfaces of walls and they kind of follow those. So anything that can be done to view those areas and stay on top of potential uh, pest entry is very important when it comes to sanitation. And one other item is just having a good sanitation schedule. So make sure those difficult to clean areas are put on the schedule uh, routinely. You have somebody um, that's going to go in and do some deep cleaning and break up those life cycles so that the insects aren't uh, building up populations in hidden areas. Uh, as far as exterior, uh, you heard uh, Sharon talk quite a bit about that uh, 18 to 24 inch uh, perimeter around a facility. Um, that that's also part of sanitation, so you can keep the plants away from the building. You can see what's going on around the outside of the building. Um, another thing as far as sanitation outside a facility is what we sometimes call the boneyard area, <laughs> that place where all the old equipment that we want to keep but we don't really have a good storage place for. Uh, those tend to be uh, really good spots for rodent harborage and other insect pests can uh, become problems in those areas too, especially if there's product residue left in the old equipment. So 
for sure, if you're going to have a boneyard area, uh, get it under cover and well away from the food handling facility. Um, that way you can access those pieces of equipment when you need them, but they're not going to be causing um, uh, problems with your sanitation efforts. You mentioned pheromones and rodent trapping. What is that? Yeah, pheromones and rodent trapping are components of a good pest monitoring program. If you're not checking to see if a pest is present, then you will miss out on early interception, and the pest problem can blow up and cause unnecessary damage. So a routine monitoring program for target pests is one of the components a pest management professional will look at closely to help prevent those pests from becoming a problem. Pheromone traps are a great tool for monitoring key stored product insects, such as Indian meal moths, cigarette beetles, dermestids, and flower beetles. So researchers are able to reproduce key pheromones that these insects emit, and they use them to attract the insects to a trap, which allows the pest management professional to complete monitoring. Uh, some of those pheromones are sex attractants emitted by females to attract mates. Uh, they're typically sex pheromones if it's a short-lived adult, like cigarette beetles. The adults live for just a couple weeks. Same with Indian meal moths. So they tend to focus in on a sex pheromone that allows them to find each other, mate, lay the eggs, and uh, before they pass away. So um, anything you can do to prevent them from finding mates um, also helps uh, delay or reduce the number of eggs they can lay. Um, the other pheromone is an aggregate, aggregate pheromone, and that's just a pheromone that lets uh, others of the same species know this is a great place to congregate in. Um, so flower beetles, they're long-lived as adults, and they tend to rely more on an aggregate pheromone. So maintaining a pheromone monitoring program will allow for early detection of those key target pests and allow for good decision-making for possible chemical treatments. Um, it, again, if you were needing to do a fogging because you feel like the stored product insect population is increasing, and that would be based on monitoring that you're actively doing. Uh, rodent trapping programs are a basic component of an IPM program in a food handling facility and typically consist of interior trap placements and extra placement of traps near doors um, and also bait stations around the perimeter of the building. Uh, the use of rodent bait inside food handling facilities is not a good practice. It's usually prohibited by most food handling facilities uh, by their company policy due to concerns about translocation of baits. So even if the label allows it, uh, it's, it's just not it's kind of considered a no-no in food plants. Um, some third-party auditors also have recommendations on spacing and placement of rodent trapping and bait devices, and that needs to be considered when you're developing a site-specific program. Uh, one other insect monitoring tool that facilities often include in their pest management programs are insect light traps, and those require proper placement and routine monitoring and cleaning. Uh, often insects found inside these uh, traps can help facilities reduce pest pressure. If you've got a large number of flies, you may be using the light traps to attract the flies to the traps and uh, kill them that way. And it, it definitely will indicate when increased exclusion or sanitation efforts are needed. So it's always important to take a look at the data you're collecting from the insect-like traps and make sure you don't need to fine-tune your pest management program. It definitely sounds like data is a pretty important part to developing an IPM program. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, without data and without those numbers, you really have no idea where you're at. Kind of like Pamela said earlier, 
if you're not looking for it, you don't know if it's there or not. Um, and so really taking that data, you know, whether you've got your traps being checked weekly, biweekly, monthly, whatever that uh, trend is for your required facility, uh, you know, inspections of all those traps, uh, keeping the numbers, knowing what's been new since it was last checked, you know, whether you went from zero insects to 20 or you've had zero for the last three months, that gives you kind of a window to what's going on in the facility. Um, and then from there, you can use uh, trending and look at the data. You can analyze it, and it can be graphed. The data can be mapped, and that can help you proactively approach uh, your pest management. It can also help you determine maybe if there are local exclusion issues or sanitation issues in that area. Um, it can help you dig further into the root cause of the problem. Uh, you know, is it always in where maybe say you have ingredient receiving? So are we bringing it in in new ingredients? Is it something that um, is maybe where we've got some older materials? Is it, you know, maybe we have a rotation issue? Um, so you can really use that data to drill down and take a look at what's going on in those specific areas where you're finding insects or rodents um, even in uh, your traps, whether it's uh, pheromone traps like Pamela just talked about, rodent bait stations, uh, indoor tin cat type uh, style mouse traps, or even ILT traps. Um, you know, you can even, you know, it, with ILT traps, they're great because they also catch all those occasional invaders, uh, night flyers. So if the doors happen to be open or things like that, and you get a whole bunch of night moths in your light traps, um, you can tell what kind of activities are going on within your facility. Um, and so, yeah, keeping track of numbers, knowing what pests are in those traps uh, and actual are food pests versus those that are in occasional invaders and keeping track of that also is also very helpful. Um, and like I said, you can then uh, map that, use that data to look at the bigger picture, but then also if you get a couple of years going and you have a couple seasons, two to three, uh, we kind of call that trending. And you can use that trending analysis to look at, okay, do we have the same spring invaders every year or the same fall invaders every year? And if you do, you can say, okay, they start to come in about August every fall what do we need to be doing in June and July to prevent that from happening? And then you can start to look ahead and see, you know, what are our long-term norms for our facility and then how do we prepare for those in advance to prevent them from becoming a problem within our facility. Um, and, you know, at IFC we use a program called ProTrack and you can also set up folks within your own facilities to have access to that data. They can be looking at it the same time that their technician and others are. Um, and IFC has 85 years of pest experience to, uh, you know, be looking at this type of data and understanding it and really helping it um, become part of an integrated pest management program by also using that data to set up things like escalation programs and other um, other types of kind of warnings that can get you in a place to uh, 
be ready for that pest or to take the appropriate actions to minimize the effects of having that pest population that kind of popped up on you. What are some things IFC is looking into to better support clients in the future? IFC is always looking for new technologies and innovation in pest management. Um, every year, you know, there are things that are constantly evolving, whether it's better formulations in pesticides, better trapping systems, new pheromones. Um, and so we always are looking into these, researching them, and working with manufacturers to uh, be on top of what the latest technologies are. So one of the things that we're currently looking at is remote monitoring with uh, rodent bait stations. And so that's one of those things that maybe you know, if we set these up and we can get electronic warnings of when in, uh, rodents are in the stations, so maybe our technicians can then focus on what exclusionary measures should I be looking for, doing a proper integrated pest management inspection, educating our clients on the different pests, um, and just working on general IPM with the clients, um, it, it can really free up their time to do a deeper dive into other areas that they didn't have time for when they were checking traps. Um, also, one of the more popular mating disruptions are for Indian meal moth. And right now there are research going on for cigarette beetle mating disruption, which we hope to be seeing come out for use later this year, as well as some other things that are in the research pipeline down the lines of mating disruption. And we sometimes work with manufacturers to do trials of these products in the field. Um, so we're always looking for new things, and we're always even testing the products that we're using in the field. So we have the ability to do some laboratory testing um, and say, just do bioassays and you know, what are we seeing? Can we test the different parameters for different insects to see what we see in a laboratory environment versus what we're seeing uh, happen in the field for real life and um, you know, help us use the products more effectively in the field. I might add one other thing, Sharon, is, and that's um, IFC also tries to stay on top of regulatory compliance issues and they're important to both uh, the pest management industry and to our food processing customers. And um, it's, it, it's tough to stay on top of what's going on, but we're super regulated and, and just knowing what's going on and being able to um, manage regulations, try to make them better so that they're workable for our industry, or maybe we're trying to help protect one of our pest management tools. I know in the past years we've spent a lot of effort on the fumigants and some of the fogging materials, just trying to continue to make sure use patterns are available for treatments that are really necessary in the food industry uh, when we have very limited tools uh, for those types of uh, facilities. Yes, absolutely. Well, Pamela, Sharon, this has been such an informative episode. I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me on this special bonus episode of the Food for Thought podcast.
for everyone listening to the Food for Thought podcast today, thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Be sure to tune in next time as we talk more about the stories behind the headlines of the food and beverage industry. Take care. Have a great day.